Well, it's a good evening from Brisbane, Australia. Of course, it's a Thursday. It's Dreaming the New Dream. Our simulcast show goes live through the YouTube and the Facebook channels. And then tomorrow you can pick up the shows on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, and Apple. <laughs> you can always go back to the YouTube channel and watch the shows. And Facebook continually have the archives. And uh, naturally enough, at this time of the night, it's actually 10 o'clock in the morning where our co-host, Andrina Forrest, who's right at the very top of the picture here. And um, and I'm going to hand it over to Andrina. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Good day. Welcome to everybody who's tuned into Dreaming the New Dream. Or if you're listening to the replay, you're welcome. Um, today, it's our great pleasure to have Christian Matheson on the show, who's coming live from Brisbane. Um, and he stepped in at short notice um, because one of our guests had a previous engagement. So I really thank you for stepping in at short notice. Um, and you are an author, um, a producer, a composer, painter. And I, I was when when you put painter in your bio, I thought, oh, is he does he mean an actual painter that and decorator or painter as an artist? Because like most people don't put painter but anyway you're also a mystic and you're also a teacher and i know um we've got you've got lots to share and i know i'm in i'm in, interested in you sharing about lucid dreaming um and i know you've studied at the monroe college um of inner knowing so there's lots for us to or you to share with us today so welcome chris Thank you, Andrina. I'm delighted to be here with you and Jeffrey. Um, it's a real pleasure. And hello to everybody that's tuning in or listening in as well. And uh, no, I'm not a house painter. I'm actually a, like I paint paintings. <laughs> so what's I'm the difference artist. between a painter and an artist then? Well, you could be a house painter, I suppose, and be painting the Sydney Harbour <laughs> Bridge, or you could be painting a painting and maybe a watercolour of a bird. So, you know. Yeah, no, when I, I saw that, one, I thought, well, I must Sorry, what was that last bit? I was just saying maybe I should have used the word artist instead of painter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just me. Anyway, so you started off, you, did you start off, uh, obviously you were born in Australia, so did you start off in Brisbane? And how did all of these stepping stones take you, you know, to be a teacher, to be a composer? So would you share your story? Well, that's a long story. Yeah, I'm, I'm Brisbane. <laughs> born and bred um, although I've uh, recently come back from Rocky about 15 uh, about last year I was up there for about 15 years and really loved that um, if you're asking how do they get into like um, the spirituality I suppose it, I was born a bit fae I was born a bit that way um, and I was deaf on and off as a child from the age of about uh, 3 to 14 so I had 10 operations on my ears otherwise I'd be deaf now so that actually forces really? you to go within and as all the scriptures say yeah, heaven is within. And what happens is when you go deaf, you kind of cut off from the outside world. So you go into a natural kind of meditation state. So I think that increased the natural kind of Celtic fainness that I was born with and that runs through my family. Um, after that, as soon as I could, as soon as I was an adult, I um, started looking into things. Michael Lamb, who I, I stepped in uh, to replace, he's an excellent friend of mine and he's an he's a alchemist now. But we studied Kabbalah and alchemy out at Brisbane under William Cook Edwards for about seven years. So I did that as soon as I could uh, from the age of 17 to about 24. And after that, I've never stopped looking at different modalities and having different experiences. And as you said, going to the Munro Institute in Virginia, using their sound technology and continually studying Kabbalah and uh, different things like, you know, Taoist energy ex exercises and 100-day meditation programs. All that. So that's all led me to here. Uh, in relation to your other question about teaching, I suppose that's a career choice, uh, being a school teacher for the last 14 years. Mm. So that's just, mm. it's a nice thing to do. I'm a nurturer by heart, so it was a good career fit for me. And what ages were you teaching? I teach everybody from grade one up to grade 12, all the grades on contracts and on supply teaching. I also do adult training as well and uh, adult workshops. I was a police trainer for two years as well. Now I'm actually a trainer uh, for another place, getting people back into the workforce. So that's really interesting because some of these people are quite 
uh, have had some really big barriers to getting back into the workforce. So I'm enjoying mm -hmm. helping some of the people who are most vulnerable, like uh, Sudanese refugees or people who are out of incarceration or people who have had drug problems. So people who haven't been employed for three years or five years mm -hmm. and, and getting them back into the workforce really turning lives around and that's got a snowball effect into helping the community at large which i really like and also in the background i we can do energy work and stuff like that but that's that's just something that ha happens organically i don't push that but it's a nice fit for what i'm doing nurturing and healing work mm. um okay so would you like to share for people that don't know about lucid dreaming would you like to share your experiences oh sure well i've um, when I was young, I, I used to see ghosts and things. Not just me. Like I said, the family's a bit fake, so we all saw them. And um, like I'd get up in the morning and say, oh, there was a shadow man or something in my room. And my brother was saying, oh, I saw that too. So that happened a few times. Um, and then what happened after that? I just, once I started meditating, that opened up further doors. Uh, lucid dreaming kind of happens organically there. But uh, I did a meditation, of course. Um, and I learned to meditate, uh, uh, an astral course, getting into the astral. And that was really interesting, but it's quite hard to do. So I decided to, to go more of a quick route. And after the Munro Institute, which is a really good course to do, that kind of refines your ability to navigate uh, different realms. After that, I, I discovered a free book online um, by uh, Michael Reduga. He's a Russian, and he's developed a um, kinesthetic visual-based method of getting into um lucid dreaming but it's more than just lucid dreaming because astral traveling and lucid dreaming a lot of those things happen on a continuum the buddhists would have called it dream yoga and, yeah. and with my studies in Kabbalah, it goes even deeper again it's not just a lucid dream i can navigate it i can create it i can be in four or five of them at once you can actually see how they're creating this level as well because Kabbalah teaches you how things get created down through many different dimensions onto this one so that then kicks into like um pre-cognitive dreams I've had hundreds of those and things with mathematical precision. Uh, I've showed it to other people and they've learned it too. So when I say lucid dreaming, it's a lot more than that, but um, people mm. don't really understand what you're saying. You're saying, oh, I'm back to the phase. But you can get a free book online by Michael Reduga. It's called um, The Phase. And uh, I'd recommend anyone to do that because if you actually do it, you can get into the phase really quickly. Otherwise, astral traveling can take you years. Um, whereas the phase is quite easy. You can achieve it in two weeks if you follow exactly what he says. You need to get your brain chemistry right, uh, which means you've got to wake yourself up to, after six hours, which is quite hard for a lot of people. But if you do that, your melatonin level is right. You stay up for half an hour, you go back, you do some kinesthetic-based visual, uh, like visualization exercises. Like you can feel like you're skiing, something that's going to put pressure on you, a sense of movement, or maybe you're riding an endless wave, or you're jumping out of a balloon, or you're flying through space. Do all those things. Um, and you do them, you keep changing those things up every 10 seconds and you have certain intentions and that will then get you in. Often you'll click out for a second and, and then you'll actually be in uh, a full-on lucid dream. And then you have to navigate it and then there's a whole bunch mm. of others just how to get in. So that was mm. uh, that's what I've been doing with it lately. Although now I don't do it so much. It's a lot more organic now. Mm, interesting. Because, I, I mean, I, I can't say that I've done much of it, but I know I've... There's lots to it. I mean, we can go into that as much as you want, but it, it's a massive... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I know for me, in the past, like, I've had dreams, and I could be dreaming that I'm with my sister, and we're, just say we're in Glastonbury, and we're doing something, and then in the next bit, then, again, I'm telling her, I've just had this dream, we were in Glastonbury, blah, blah, blah. So... You know, and that that happens a lot where you, where I've you know I've dreamt something, and then I'm telling her what we've dreamt in the next bit. So is that classes lucid dreaming? Um, well, it's it's a continuum. So consciousness is like um, just say we're all like light bulbs, and consciousness or enlightenment depends on how bright your light bulb gets. So you could be on ten watts, and so you may have a fairly jumbled dream experience. And you might be getting little snippets of psychic stuff or maybe some precognitive ability or maybe you talk to your sister and something like that happens the next day but the brighter you turn up the the wattage you know you could be instead of 10 watts if you're a saint you might be 100 watts so you'll have a different level of consciousness uh, it's hard to start speaking about consciousness if you haven't had the experiences of yeah. high levels of consciousness because people don't have anything to reference it to 
the high levels of consciousness, the brighter you get, they become more multidimensional and fractal, uh, which is a hard thing for people to understand. You, you can talk about it all day and people won't know what you're talking about. And that's why people mm. traditionally don't talk about these things. I mean, they're ancient techniques, but the Buddhists would only teach it to people who are talented because they thought they had a knack for it. Um, you know, it's like talking about chocolate too. I mean, you could read a book on chocolate. It's a thousand pages long, but you really won't know what chocolate is. But if you've tasted it and you've had the experience itself, uh, it's, you know, exactly what chocolate is. So I'm a little bit not hesitant to talk about it, but I, I understand there's a, a, I'm willing to talk about it, but it's just hard to talk about some of these things. Again. Yeah, no, I, I totally so when understand. You say, and what I, and what I do is, yeah. So when you, well, for example, it, it gets so much more specific than that. You're talking about getting some information and sharing with your, uh, with your friend. I had a friend and I was in a, since you're English, you're like this one. So I'll use this as an example. I was in an old English village, like in the void. It was that, like in space, but it had no soul. So I, being an artist, I got up and I drew it in the morning. When I talked to my friend, I said, I had the weirdest dream. He said, before you tell me, let me tell you about my one. He said, I was just out in an English village that was in space and had no soul. I said, is it like this painting that I just drew? He said, that's exactly right. He said, that's where you and I were mm -hmm. sitting. So you can actually get information out of these states. I've gotten songs, books, movie ideas, um, you know, which I actually use. You can actually go and talk to people. It, it's a real space that you can actually go into if you know how to navigate it. So depending mm. on how skilled you are, it's like a piano. You can play a one-note melody. You can be Beethoven, you know, and you can be writing symphonies and composing your own stuff. Uh, when I go into the phase, it's highly creative. It's not just me being aware in a dream environment. That's maybe only like a thought form or a hologram. It's more like you can create reality in those levels. And those those things actually, you become part of um, the process that the universe uses to create what we experience on this level. That's something that you actually experience in real time. And that's not something that I tell people you have to believe. I say if you actually do certain things, uh, you know, study Kabbalah for 30 years like I have and combine it with phasing and stuff like that. And I have taught a few people. They're amazed. They'll get to, to that level. But, you know, it's like anything. If you want to become a concert piano player, you've got to have some talent and you've got to spend 30 years doing it. And then, you you know, get you know you become amazing at it, you know. But it's, mm -hmm. uh, you, you're tapping into it. So the short answer to what you're saying is that you you got your feet in the pool, but maybe you're in the shallow end. But it, it goes, it's infinite because God's infinite. So our ability to mm -hmm. go into that is infinite. You know, that's what the Buddhists talk about with Bana and all that. I mean, it's never ending. Um, and you mentioned God. Hey, um, um, Chris. Okay. Um, I was just going to give him a question. Hey, um, the uh, mystics always talk about this world being illusion, Maya. Okay. So. Are we, is this the concept is that um, when we go to sleep at night, that's the real world where we meet up with people and then we go and put on our headsets and move into the virtual reality of living in this world? That's a really deep question. Uh, everything apart from God is an illusion. That's true. Because the only thing that lasts is God. But you at a certain level, the deepest level, are one with God. And that's like a that's where you become everything and nothing. And that's an experience you can have. And I've taught people to have that too. Um, when you say everything's an illusion, well, I'm sitting on my chair now, so it's real enough. But and it, it's real because God wants it to be. But it's ultimately unreal because it doesn't last. Um, but this level, I know when people start first come to spirituality, they think, oh, I've got to escape this level. I'm in the matrix. And all this Kind of stuff. And to a degree, that's right, because you've got to unprogram yourself from a three-dimensional reality. But once you kind of go far enough, you come back and you realize, I was talking before about all the levels are connected. Those levels spiral back into this one. There's actually a circle. And the, the deeper you go into attunement, the bigger your circle becomes. But this level is really important in that it finally actualizes and um, almost finishes off the energy, the energy equation of what the other realms are trying to create. It spirals down into this one and then goes back up again. So this level is really important. So it ultimately is an illusion, but then so are the other levels. But what's more interesting is how the different levels are navigated, I think. This level is three-dimensional, and everything on this level is separated uh, through time and space and geographically. So God separated everything for us. Yeah. In the astral, which actually is already here, uh, and it starts to bleed through once you get into the levels. The levels start to blend in. It's not like you have to go to the astral. The astral is already here. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I mean. It's already kind of like, it's like that nested set of Russian dolls. 
the physical might be up here, but the astral's also actually the astral's outside of it, you know, and then the physical's inside of it like that. So, but the astral's navigated through intention, you know, and intense desire. So once you understand those things, you can actually start navigating the astral while you're in the physical, which is what I was talking about, uh, multidimensionality and practicality. When I first started um, at the Kabbalah Alchemy School with Michael for seven years, we would go to places and we would go like phase out to like the moon or, you know, to hang out with mermaids or whatever. You know, and then come back as a class and discuss it to see whether we all did it together and we all saw the same thing, you know. We did amazing things. We got the lotto numbers and won $20,000. And we did a whole bunch of stuff to prove it to ourselves objectively that was real. We did it for that for seven years, hundreds of times. But what happens is after a while, I don't have to go anywhere because everything is here. Mm. That's what I mean. Everything's a singularity point because the universe is a hologram. A hologram is an appearance of stars right the appearance patterns of light so and a hologram is every part of the hologram contains all the information of the whole hologram so that gets into the concept of indra's net which is thousands of years old that's in the you know the upanishads and all that over in india but all the holy books talk about the same thing and the, the kabbalists the high level rabbinical knowledge talks about the same thing as well um you know so it's not really new age stuff it's just our birthright but most people because they have to survive and because they um, indoctrinate into whatever culture they're, they're into, they get indoctrinated into maintaining the base level of their culture, which is okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of part of the reason why some people come here. But if, you, uh, if you've gone a little bit beyond that, then um, you're not so hypnotized by the three-dimensional shell game and you're not attached to maybe the, the, um, the, um, the touchstones that your culture is telling you are important because you know you're a spirit. Once you know you're a spirit in a physical body, all your desires change. And as I said before, your desires are what actually link you into certain parts of the astral. So if your desire is no longer to get money or sex or power, which is, you know, a lot of people drives 90% of the population. If you don't want any of those things, you naturally start floating up like a balloon into higher astral levels, even though you're still here on the physical. So you keep evolving and you keep attuning and becoming more and more enlightened. Enlightenment's just the first step. Then it just goes on and on and on. And that's an infinite process. But so that's, then once you get to that stage, you don't need to leave the physical because you're really attuning. Not only that, Kabbalah shows us that this level holds really interesting balance point with the astral and that you can't balance certain energies in the astral unless you are on the physical. So that's why the Buddha say that you need to become enlightened in a physical body to reach full enlightenment. And that's why being in a physical body is more important than being a god in the astral because you can be up there. You've got no friction, so you can't evolve. Whereas here life is um like a computer gram, computer a computer program that is forcing everything that is here to evolve through the um the machinations of the the shekinah or the wisdom aspect of god or mother nature um you know it's all, it gets it depends how deep you want to go with it well yeah leonardo dicaprio does that make sense yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I got it. leonardo dicaprio in the movie inception showed you the levels of um of dreams within dreams within dreams. Mm. Did you see that movie? Yeah, that's a really good example. In fact, when you go into the... Oh, oh, no, no, I've seen it. That's what I live. When I go into the phase, you can be in all the levels at the same time. He was jumping from one to another, and it was getting deeper and deeper. But all those levels, when you go into the phase, are actually there at the same time. And they're all connected. And you can see how they're connected and why they're connected. And then you'll know what's going to happen here. So you wake up and... You know the day will unfold from what you've already seen but you understand it on a much bigger level and also it's almost like you can slightly co-create uh, it's it's kind of organic it's not so i suppose it's like power but it's not a it's not a power that that's the wrong term for it but it's like the power of the universe starts to flow through but not in a way that's going to reward your ego so it's like um okay. it's interesting that when you open up to it i suppose you could try to use it for bad things but um it's almost like the universe safeguards itself. So by the time you get to that ability, you're just happy to help everybody because you realize that everything's connected. And the only way you can be happy is if you make everything happy and you already see why things are happening because everything's coming from a higher dimensional spiritual route. So you start to see things like on the material, if you don't see those things, life doesn't make any sense. And it also it's a great mystery and it seems incredibly unfair. But when you see, you start to see, and I've, you know, 
what I'm seeing still goes off infinitely. I'm, I'm only having a peek into it. And but even the bit that I've seen, everything's mathematically precise. There is no, there's not the slightest thing isn't an accident. The fact that I've got this teacup here, or um, you know, my this hair is just slightly over this way. And that sounds crazy, but everything is mathematically mapped out by the mind of God, and for a reason. But that's almost impossible. You don't want to stay in that head state because it would send you crazy. But it's enough to know that it's there, and it's enough to kind of like surf it, which is kind of, I suppose, what I do. And I do it, I suppose, it puts you in a, a headspace of being like an organic medicine man. So that's why I like teaching, because you're instantly creating a group environment wherever you are, and you're kind of blending in, I suppose, honey into the porridge, you could say. Does that make sense? Mm, totally. Mm. How are yours, Andrew? All right, okay. I didn't know if you had anything to add to that. <clears throat> Um, right, you mentioned that you met with God or talked with God um, when we, I think it was yesterday in conversation. Would you like to share more on that? Yeah, I have a few times. God's always winking at me because the material for me and uh, the astral uh, have blended. So God's always winking out from things and everything's kind of like, has more dreamlike properties to it, although it's very precise. Like I can think of Jesus, and then the image of Jesus will be perfectly on a tree, and I'm looking at. And sometimes it's it's amazing. Sometimes it's it's often actually coming through Mother Nature itself. It's exactly just from the the light and the um and the angles of the twigs and everything. But it's still exactly. It's very interactive with what I'm thinking. So that's quite amazing. And then other times I've been up to the white light, and the only thing that exists is God, and I don't exist anymore. You know, um, mm. and that feels natural. When you're there, you think, oh, geez, wouldn't that be scary? And I was up there, and, and that was interesting. The only thing that brought me back, I was talking about those levels are navigated by desire. When you're in that level, you're pure bliss and pure love. So the only thing that brought me back was the love of my children. And that made me realize how prayer works, because then I looked down. I realized I was the white light. Before that, I was just absolute bliss, everything and nothing. So it's not even, it's not even spatial, because it's no longer anything. So it's a really hard thing to explain, but it feels totally natural mm. when you're there. So anyway, my, my kids called me down and I went down. I said, oh, okay, so that's that's how it works. And intention goes up and then God answers it. Um, so I've met a lot of amazing people, but the, probably the most amazing thing that, that I did was um, I was at an alumni meeting of graduates from the Munro Institute, which is a program that was set up um, by the Pentagon. They did a Stargate program to try and streamline psychic viewing. Uh, psychic spying basically uh, mm. and that's that's quite easy to do if you follow a certain protocol that swandered but what's hard about it is that it takes hours to get into the right headspace so the americans being ingenious like they are realized that they mapped the brainwave states of zen buddhists who'd been sitting on the mats for 20 years they could replicate it using sound technology and get people into the same state that a zen buddhist monk is gets into after 20 years but this way you don't have to burn your ego down uh, you can just uh, you know mm. Just flick a switch, so you don't have to like go out and get your own fire and burn it to make a cup of coffee. Now you're done, right? It's the same kind of deal using sound technology again to high-level mind states. So um, anyway, that's what they do at the Munro Institute. So I did that for a week, but after I came back from that, I was at of all places a place called Paradise Point, which was um, where the alumni meeting was for the the people that had graduated from the Munro Institute. And they do things over there like, you know, go into the center of the universe and hang out with ETs and all that kind of jazz, which is pretty interesting. But I was there and the energy level, obviously, when, you know, two or more are gathered in my name, uh, gets really powerful. So when you've got a group of, how many, there's four of us there. And um, suddenly it was almost, it was kind of like a channeling, but it also wasn't. The lady that was there suddenly was like talking. And then it was like, I went into a parallel universe where everything felt different. And she looked at me and she said, you can stop pretending to be a human. And I went, what? And she said, bang, 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 bang. And it was, she said, it was like, um, it's hard to explain, but the energy when she said that was phenomenal. It was like, think of a soulmate and then times it by 100, the most exquisite, intense, sensual, absolutely blissful feeling that I had for her. It was like you would die for her. It was, so anyway, that was, she was there like that. But then it kept going bang, bang, bang. Because God's infinite. And if it's not God or if it's a high-level angel or whatever it is, it's beyond my comprehension to understand it with a physical human brain any more than what was happening. Because what happened is that being then became everything that was in the room 
and then also all the phase levels. So it was kind of like an experience that some people report when they have a near-death experience and they go up and see God. And I was having it while I was totally awake. And that's because I've had 30, 40 years of doing meditation, all these different modalities. But it was still a great, I must be said, because this being said to me, can you get off your chair? I tried to get off my chair and I couldn't. They said, no. They said, you can't come into our presence or get off it uh, or, or leave our presence unless we will it. So I was talking like the Elohim, like it was a plural, many things in one at the same time, which it was because it was also me. I could feel it within me and I was within them. And the other two people, we were all joined. So it's the most, I suppose it's like the communion of saints uh, that they talk about because Catholics would talk about that. That's actually a real state you get into. It's like a group mind. And I've been in group minds before at the Munro Institute where we'd go off somewhere and we'd come back and we'd all, you know, had been in the same place and we'd compare notes. But this was different. This was in real time while I was fully awake, not in the phase. Um, so I said to this being, I said, are you Buddha? He's over my shoulder there. <laughs> she kind of smiled. And she said, um, she said, part of us never leaves the light. And she said, never left. She said, but she said, um, I'm really interested in this evolution that's happening now. I said, why is that? And she said, because this is the one where all humans will know that the universe is. She said, this one will be worth watching. Mm. I went, oh, okay. But then it was like, it was so amazing. Like she was doing things like that in portals. I felt like if I stepped out the door, I'd be in a different time. Or I could step through the door and be in Germany or in a different country. It was just so cosmic because my whole subconscious opened up too. She knew everything about me. And then the love that I still felt coming from this being, who was also everybody in the room, uh, was just, um, it didn't matter. She knew me better than I knew myself. It's like she knew known me forever and would always know me and would always love me because she was me. It was the unbelievably uh, intense. Uh, and there's so much more to it. You know, it just went on and on. And it's taken me years to integrate, and I still don't really fully understand it because it was just mind-blowing. But a little uh, um, like addition to that it was that six months later, I was telling my friend, another person, Chris, who I also studied with at the Gabala College uh, about this. I, I wasn't talking about it at the time. We were at dinner. And he stopped and he went into like a trance. And I said, what are you doing? And he started talking, um, you know, six months ago. We're just checking up on you. So anyway, he talked to me and said all these amazing things, which all came true. And 20 minutes later, he kind of like came to and I said, oh, wow, that was amazing. So what was amazing? I said, well, you've just been checked out for 20 minutes. He said, oh, he said, actually, I must have been because he said, I haven't touched my meal, which had arrived just before he checked out. And he said, that person's meal next to us had just arrived and now they're finished and like, it's like they're gone. He said, it's like suddenly everything's different. So it's like I'm missing time. I said, well, while you're missing time, you're giving me, uh, you know, a rundown from these beings, which is funny because we've been talking about it about 10 minutes before. So they, they popped in and then a whole bunch of other things happened flowing off in that. So, I mean, stories within stories, you know. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> nice confirmation. Anyway, mm, there's not more mm. to that story. Yeah, so, mm. yeah, so um, where is the Monroe? Is that in America, the Monroe College? That's in the uh, UK, no? Is it? That guy um, from Bridgewater, what's his name? Um, Landrick Bricks, he goes to the Monroe Institute. Is it? Okay. He's got that uh, centre down near Bridgewater, yeah, towards um, Bristol Channel. What's that place? So that's for Pea, Peachester, Pea, um, Peach Grove or something. Landrix Brex or something. Oh, okay. Right. Um, <clears throat> what else would you like to share? Because obviously you're talking on a much more evolved level for some regarding all these different things that you've experienced. And unlike for some people you know, wouldn't have a clue what you're talking about. And there's others who are totally with you and there's others that would know bits and pieces. So um, where would you like to take this? Oh, well, I could take it anywhere. I mean, I've been teaching stuff for years, so I can talk on anything. Um, it depends what, you, what your listeners, you probably know them better than me, uh, what they would enjoy. That's why I was a little bit hesitant. I was thinking, well, what am I going to say? I said, I don't want to say the same old things. You know, I hear some people talk about. But, uh, I'm happy to talk about anything. Maybe I can put a, a fresh spin on other things that you're interested in. Yeah, go on, go for it. Oh, I know Mike was going to come on and talk about the elements and the planets and all that. We've mm. done all that as well. 
or multi-dimensional reality or consciousness or beings or you know it just goes on and on depends what you would like to talk about because mm, it's, it's such an open book really isn't it um I know you you mentioned about going into the future and coming back with well, that's why I wrote the book actually so I didn't have to explain it <laughs> oh, well I haven't read your book <laughs> so so are there things um that you can recall that you know that are about to happen because we know there's a massive change um happening as we speak if you like No, I don't get so much prophecies for like world events. Although, having said that, I mean, I do, I, I do sometimes. Like, I wake up and I think, oh, I really miss so and so, like David Bowie, and then I find out that he's dead that day. Or I mean, think, geez, I feel really something weird, uh, and then I find out there's an earthquake. You know, that does happen. It happens a lot because yeah. I kind of do an organic kind of healing thing now. Like, I get an ailment that comes on me. Like I don't know, I get a, a ringing in my ears, and I think, oh it's not really mine and then it goes in half an hour when that happens i always like have someone call me up in about 20 minutes and say oh just have the way i have this ringing in my ears and then i can always say to them oh well that's going to go because i i don't say that i've had it i just say i feel it's going to go unless they're psychic or you know i've talked to them yeah. before about it. that's happened so many many times i do that like every day but um in terms of um I tell you, a lot of it's a lot more personal uh, I, i'm looking at um, when i go into the shakin and i'm having a look at how things is it constructed? What's happening here today is actually a result of what's happening in many levels. What do you a lot of that? And, and then I get to act down on my own local level. So we act locally, but we are connected universally. Um, and I see snapshots of that because it comes to understand the mechanics of how God puts the material together. Mm. Hmm. So Carol's asking, <clears throat> how can we um, bring forward our best selves to this existence so well, we can... Very, this is the first interview I've... I Sorry, was I say, this is the first interview I've really talked about some of this stuff. We do have a documentary oh, it... with Michael Lamb. Uh, I think um, it's due in about September, I think. So that's... We talk a bit about... Our, that's a bit... But this is... This is some, pretty high level stuff to explain but i thought i will i'll uh, try something different mm, and why not <laughs> but yeah i mean like you know we've come to a stage now you know where we, we're clear we've cleared so much of the past ancestral and family stuff and all sorts of things like that and it you know um and it's being the best version of you so you can help others be the same you know whether it's just a simple smile or it's hands-on you know is is you know what other ways can that would you give to our listeners how they could help themselves maybe like some that are on the beginning of a journey you know this you know we just don't know what levels people are listening so it's you know some it's like a pick and mix so some people can take that and others can think well you know that don't resonate with me yeah um i don't even like talking about spirituality or psychic abilities so much because i see them as the ultimate thing for me to do is um surrender to god but that's almost impossible for people to do unless they've had certain spiritual experiences mm -hmm. um which, but the thing is, once you start picking up those diamonds at the base of the mountain, like the Buddhists talk about, they can become distractions as well. I mean, you can get blinded by psychic abilities or psychic powers. Um, they're very seductive. And they also leads to the most subtle ego game that you can possibly play once you start playing mm -hmm. around with those things. But the difference between a, someone who's a complete blockhead and someone who's really highly psychic, it's another giant quantum leap again from someone who's really giantly psychic and someone who's practically conscious and multi-dimensionally conscious that's a totally different thing again and also yeah. funny thing it that's really humble once you get to that stage it sounds amazing although it becomes kind of normal once you once you've attained it i can't imagine not being that way now it's totally normal but the older i get the more i mean i just as much love going and doing the catholic mass you know i see a lot in it 
because um, I can see it operating on different levels. But I also just like the beauty of, of adhering to such a pure intention. Because as I said, the astral is navigated by intention. So the highest intention you can have is to be Christ-like, you know, or if you follow Buddha, to be Buddhist-like. I mean, that can start in the most simplest ways. Buddhism is just basically being kind. And if you can't be kind, don't hurt anybody. That's simple. It sounds simple, but I mean, how often you're at work and you're pissed off with your boss? You think, oh, I'd like to get that guy. Even that thought, that thought mm. creates something, a wave in the astral, and that's a real thing. So are you stopping yourself? What level, what bar? Everyone's got to set their own bar. But the thing is, in the universe, once you realize how the universe works, I try not to think a bad thought about a single person. And that can be hard because some people are annoying, aren't they? You know, and we, it's almost impossible to get on with everybody. But um, the, the bigger your reality system is, the easier it is to be nice to people because you realize it's in your own ultimate uh, best interest. And that's what the Dalai Lama says. To, uh, you know, spirituality is just divine selfishness because you can't be happy unless everyone's happy and you are connected to everybody. And when you have an experience where you see that other people are you, then you can actually really take seriously that Christ message to love your neighbor as yourself. That's impossible unless you actually get to a certain level. And they mm. say the same thing in Kabbalah. They say you almost have to develop different senses. In fact, you do in the astral to understand certain spiritual principles to actually put some of those things into place. No one lives, you know, nobody follows those maxims of living God with all their soul, all their heart. I mean, we've all heard that. We've got told that as children, but it's almost impossible to do on the material because we get blinded and we get educated to be certain ways and we've got family um, karmas that we have to deal with. But the more you learn with spirituality, and I mean, God's infinite, so there's infinite ways to approach God. Some people might want to go down the path of karma yoga or um, bhakti yoga or hatha yoga. You know, so some people might want to go down the path of intelligence or devotion. Um, all good works. It depends. Everybody's been created by God to have a different, unique brain. You know, everyone's like a snowflake. Everyone has um, a unique physical system, a unique karma, and God knows what that is. So he's already placed you in the place. I mean, it sounds unsexy, but your biggest thing that you've got to do is to work where you're at, you know, yeah. which is what we're always about. But to a degree, you also need to prime the pump psychically, I think, to actually really get the most out of it. You know, you've got to get the car moving a bit first. But um, and then it gets back to all those things that we've all heard, you know. But it may, I think it, it's worth saying again because it means something more when someone can say, well, these are the reasons we say this. Because when you get to high levels, these things, not just self-evident, become really vital, you know. Uh, but then you're more motivated. So the more you see, for me, I suppose I've gone down a path of devotion and also like knowledge. And those two things work well for me together. And then that helps me to do good works. So all those things yeah. work in tandem for me. They're not um, at odds. But most people, if they're just starting the spirit, will have a certain bent towards something. I mean, that will resonate with where they're at anyway. So it's, uh, it's probably up to everybody. But the beauty is um, now with the internet, there's so much information. Like when I started this stuff yeah. back in the 80s, it was a little bit underground. Even though the knowledge is ancient and it's been around for thousands of years and it's in all the books, um, now it's just so open and you can, you know, hear people like me or anybody, you know, talking about stuff. Yeah. You know, gurus are online. So there's no shortage of, of avenues to go. Not that you want to become a, um, you know, a grasshopper and go from one thing to another. To a degree, you've got to keep digging a, a hole till you get to the water, right? You know, if you're just a spiritual delante and you go from one thing to another, you probably won't achieve much. Like if I try to play guitar then try to play harp then try to play banjo and I'm on a different instrument every day, I'm not going to get very far. But I'm mm. not saying you can't try and play a few different things, but you're going to have to have a some kind of fallback. I mean, I still love Catholicism. I was brought up with it, and the older I get, the, the richer it is for me. You know, because all religions and all methods have like an exterior teaching, and then they have the inner teaching. A lot mm. of the inner teaching only really awakens to people who've got a spiritual grace, and those graces uh, by very particular pathways. I mean, you might want to do a hundred-day uh, microcosmic orbit. Taoist exercise, that might work for you. You know, the golden flower exercise that Dr. Jung talked about, you know, he was he was a big fan of. Well, you might want to get into alchemy. You've got to find out, I suppose the impetus is on you mm. to see what really resonates with you and what kind of gives you a result and then stick with it. You know, I've been doing yeah. this stuff for years. And like a tree, it really does pay dividends after a while. It really does bear fruit. Um, 
But it's funny how, for me, after doing all those things, how simple it comes back to. And that's it gets back to the real Zen of things. And, and just like trying to be the best person you can be. But because of all your spiritual experiences and because God's always winking at you, it becomes a lot easier. You know, you're in a boat and the stream's moving. The stream wants you to go somewhere because the universe wants you to evolve. Uh, mm. The whole thing, the whole material here is to evolve you. And there's only two ways you can go ultimately, one's with the carrot and one's with the stick. So if you're a good boy, like I am, you know, then <laughs> the divine mother takes you in hand and leads you along. And, you know, you kind of have power. And she's like winking at you the whole time. And it's always cracking jokes. It's amazing how funny God is. And God's, in fact, I don't trust people if they say they're highly spiritual and they don't, they don't have a sense of humor. I, I think you probably are. Because most of the masters that you see, they've got a little twinkle in their eye. You know, because they're connected to higher energy. And they're funny. The higher energy is because they're full of consciousness. And um, uh, humor is all about seeing things from different levels and all levels at the same time. And that's what naturally happens once you start opening to the Shekinah or the wisdom aspect of God because everything's full of jokes. You know, it really is. Osho said the same thing too. He said, the older I get, the more I see jokes everywhere. I do too. I call them elf jokes. You know, it's hard to explain, but I, I've taught other people to see them and, and they and they see them too. You know, even the license plates, because um, I know the Kabbalah of things, so I quickly do Kabbalah formulas just as a practice of license plates while I'm driving around. There's always a joke in them, uh, connected to exactly where I am at the time and what I'm thinking, because everything's connected all the time. And Kabbalah forces those things because... Uh, numbers are actually angels, you know, and they're a level of consciousness which isn't human, it's transhuman. Uh, it, it, they can be human, um, but they're also formless. And that gets into like the animal tablets of trough and all that kind of stuff. You know, so it's vast. But to get back to your original question, um, how do people start? Depends where they're at, you know. But you've mm, never well, had, yeah, of course. Uh, we live in a dark age, that's sure, because we're in Jukali. It can be dark, but also the age that you can get closer to God the quickest. So that's that's God's um, little um, bonus for the people who want to be good. And, and like I said, it's the carrot or the stick. So this age is dark. I mean, you know, we've got environment, everything else. So we have to act and we have to kind of come up with a new level of consciousness to solve the problems that we've created at a lower level of consciousness, mm. right? So that's where we're at. That's deliberate, um, you know. But if you do, you know, do your homework, um, it's the easiest time to become attuned. I mean, just to use hemisync sound technology, you don't have to sit on a mat for 10 years and give up all your possessions and, and you know, be celibate and, you know, have a rough time and wear a tinfoil hat and eat rice and wear a white robe. None of that. You can go to the Munro Institute and in a week you'll be in the same mental state as a Zen Buddhist monk that you spent five years with to. Whether you can handle that state and whether you've yeah. got reality system that can actually understand it in the state that's a whole other question but you can get to that state uh, within a week and you can get into the phase within two weeks you don't have to try and go and see a zen master and be his apprentice and pick up pedals and you know sweep the courtyard like they used to do and they do that to test your mental balance but also to to keep the surface mind occupied while you know then they start giving you little hints you know wax on wax so yeah. all that kind of jazz they, they used to do all that, and they did it deliberately. Great teaching, you know. You wouldn't even know you were being taught, but you're learning to control your emotions and interact. So, uh, it's an interesting time, I think. Uh, I'm very optimistic, you know. But I think that's a natural thing that happens once you get connected up to God or the Shekinah or the Goddess. She keeps you jolly most of the time. Yeah, because you're jolly all the time. Listen, um, you said something before about. Um... Mm -hmm. The Americans uh, going to check out the brainwave patterns of these Zen Buddhists for 20 years and then find that frequency in order they can then um, utilize it. And then you talk about the Monroe Institute, two weeks, boom, this saved you 20 years. And it triggered something that I remember um, a movie, and I had, I've been looking for it and I just found it. Um, it was Christopher Brains Walken. Yeah. 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 So, Brains oh, um, Yeah. 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 So, um, it really, that's the point I was going on. It's a very interesting story, isn't it? Um, oh, leading, leading to the fact that they're looking for the ECG of the brainwave patterns. And then um, this um, scientist, because the military wanted to find the secrets. And then, of course, um, the uh, leading scientists happened to be uh, 
played by Natalie Wood. And so she has a heart attack and she puts on the sensory stuff to show her journey uh, as she passes, crosses over and goes off into the light. Bloody awesome, bloody um, story that triggered off as a result of you saying what you said. And I thought, well, oh, it's like the CIA. They always watch Get Smart to find out what the Hollywood was up to. So they started to see if they could do a shoe phone and stuff like that. <laughs> wow. That's right. Yeah, so uh, you triggered off a few things there, um, Chris. And I think, well, what's well, funny you should say that, Jeff, because I was reading the CIA documents. I was reading the CIA documents that got released um, on the Munro Institute, and they basically were saying these are you can actually source them on on Google now. And they're saying, yeah, the hemisync takes you at the highest levels into God. Hmm. So, I mean, that movie is no longer science fiction. I mean, you can look up the document. Mm -hmm. it's only last week I was looking at that. So, check them out. All right. Okay. Um, so, musician. Your musical talents. I, I think you've recorded a couple or you've recorded some music. Um, so, um, you, I did ask if you'd like to give us a little tune on your guitar, a little impromptu. So, if you're up for that that would be magic okay i'll just play this thing that he's got sure. going well here you, you put me on the spot i was thinking oh, right. so i'll play this particular piece that you got sure thank you jeffrey interesting i saw the tour there <laughs> and I'm, I'm heading to glastonbury later today so i should be at the tour this weekend sometime um. so chris you actually did, did the cinematography as well as the music yeah mm, brilliant you still there mate yeah, I'm still here. I'm just, I was just waiting for a question. Sorry, you, right, what yeah. did you say? You're going to Glastonbury? You yeah, yeah, I should, be, Sorry, I should be at the tour this weekend. I I was in a involved in a shunt, well, 12 weeks ago now. And I, when I go up to Glastonbury, I haven't been able to get up the steps because I obviously knocked my back and hips and everything. But now... Um, much better and i'm working through all this stuff so i i think right this weekend i'm going to go up the tour now so yeah so that's just very funny um that that was in that clip but yeah an amazing um production there 
Oh, lovely. Mm. Oh, you'll enjoy that, getting out there. I yeah. Go. I'll have to get there yeah. one day. Right. Um, what are your thoughts on frequency I mean, of 432 versus 440? Yeah, I've heard the argument. Um, I think if you have a look at the water photography of Dr. Emoto, it's undeniable. I was having, mm. have you heard of him? Yeah. Yeah, no, love his work. We're basically 80% water, whatever we are. And he's, um, he's photographed water. And he's like, yeah, he's great. He puts different, you can put the same word in different languages, like gratitude in Japanese, mm. Russian, whatever, forms the same crystal pattern. And love in different languages will form the same crystal pattern. But what he did, which I thought was really interesting, is he went to a polluted lake and then he got a priest to bless it. And it went from being like all murky to like crystalline sacred geometry again. So I think it's undeniable when you see like cymatics, the study of cymatics, or you look at his water photography and you have a look at the influence of that hurts, uh, you know, both of them. You can see which one actually creates healing patterns and which one doesn't. Um, that's why like if you like the Solfreggio frequencies or the frequencies of Jupiter or whatever, that will keep raises sharp, you know, and heals things. It stores like basically archetypal blueprints uh, for healing. So there's a good one and there's one that's kind of out of tune, you know. It's like a guitar. One's going to sound beautiful, make, makes beautiful music. The other one's grates on your ears. So it's, it's like that but on a cellular level, you know. Mm. Anyway, you're going to get your guitar out and do a little impromptu. <laughs> yeah, well, because you're English. I had to rack my brain. I thought, well, I'll play like an English old folk tune, like Greensleeves. In Australia, like when the ice cream man comes around, he plays plays that and all the kids go running after him. <laughs> so I've got to rack my brain because it's been 40 years since I played it. So I'll see how really? good my memory is. Uh, I'm in a bit of an awkward spot here. Uh, let's see what I can do. You're playing Greensleeves, yeah? I hope that brought back a little bit of England for you. Did you recognize well, here. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, gosh, it's <laughs> a real golden old DA. So, uh, so, yeah, so. Yeah. Um, right, your artwork. What sort of artwork? Because um, obviously, I've not seen any of your anything that you've done apart from, you know, your production side of things, but. What sort of artwork do you like working with? Oh, it's up on Instagram. It's been up in a few galleries too and uh, online and stuff. I, I started off doing oils uh, about 30 years ago and I've uh, worked through acrylics and I do expressionism and real life and life drawing and symbolism. Yeah, so I've gone over the whole gamut. You know, you stick with something for long enough, you get to explore all the things that you, you like doing. Mm. You know, so yeah, multimedia stuff, mixing it up with the video. So, yeah, I like that. I, I really love art. I think maybe because I was deaf, so it kind of increases your visual acuity because you can't hear. So you become much more like your other senses become heightened. So maybe that's why I love it. And maybe that's why I like music so much because when my hearing came back, mm. I was like, oh, my God. You know, I didn't take it for granted. So, oh, look at it. Not just of hearing sound, but actually hearing sound that is so harmonious. You know, so mm. I think those things went in at a deep level. So yeah, I've, I've got a real passion for, for it. But it's it's online. It's uh, was it the Chris Matheson six hundred thousand? I think it's my Instagram <laughs> handle. So if people are interested, right. they can see some of it. Some of it there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's good fun. Oh, I got taken off of Instagram it's for sharing. Busy. Lots of creative yeah. stuff, making music videos. Like, mm. Got a documentary coming out. That'll be fun. All right. And what what's the documentary on? Sorry, I didn't catch. What did you say the docu documentary's on? That's with, oh, that's with Michael. It's oh, Alchemy. okay. Oh, you're doing it together. Brilliant. Oh, us and a few other people as well. So there's about five or six really interesting people 
are going to be in that one. So that's coming out in a few months. So that's going to be exciting. We're trying to get a documentary number at the moment. So, uh, and then that will, after that, we can see what kind of distribution channels we can get it out through. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's the big thing at the moment. And you're doing Creative. the production for it? Oh, no, that's my friend, Sharon Rowland. She's really good. She's, um, uh, she was the editor of a magazine called uh, E-Oddity Magazine, and she serialized my book, JC33, and me, uh, through that. And then uh, I did some podcasts with her about an album I did with a band called, um, what was it called? Uh, Falling Echoes. We did a, uh, like a 40-minute audio visual uh, of that, which is on YouTube. So that was good. So, uh, yeah. So well, I've done a lot of creative stuff with her. Uh, over the years, I really like Sharon, and she's putting it together. She's got like a, a master's in um, media studies, and uh, she's done a really good job. From the rushes, I was having a look at when I was over at a house a couple of weeks ago. It looks really good, mm, so I'm excited excellent. to see that come out. There's going to be some good information, and I, and I think it's coming out at a good level uh, to help people on a number of angles that people will enjoy and understand. Well, we look forward to that then. Um, what was I going? Um, what about your book? Um, Thank what was you, it, JC33, do you want to share a little bit about that? Because mm -hmm. I think, is that on Amazon or on your website? Well, I suppose the title comes from, yeah, that's on Amazon. Under I've got two books up on Amazon, but um, JC33, that's it's kind of like a, a coming of age story, but also a spiritual odyssey as well. Um, that's, that's, and also a lot of humor because I, like, I write comedies as well and do a bit of TV production. The stuff that I do is normally comedic. So um, that's a really good one. But the title comes from when uh, I lay down in bed and I wasn't asleep. My head had only just hit the pillow and Jesus was in my room. I went, whoa, you know. And uh, so he uh, took my hand and we went out into the phase and, and he showed me how the universe was constructed. We went out into, um, uh, we went out into like a nested, a nested set of like uh, reality systems. They were like spheres. You can actually see this if you look into a knock-in magic with uh, like Dr. John Dee, who you probably know from your English history. He was in the royal court of Elizabeth I. He was the uh, like a Merlin character. And uh, he was a wizard as well as like, like a genius, like a Michelangelo kind of a character, uh, like a polymath, probably the brightest guy that was on the planet. But he kind of like reached the end of human knowledge. But anyway, he, he developed a system like that too, saying this is what the different reality systems, and they look like like a, a, um, like a beehive. And each one, they're all working together and kind of creating the honey or the ambrosia. Deeper you get. So your, your signal's going a bit funny. The more real they get. You know, so it's mm. it's a hard thing to explain the material, but there's no breaking consciousness there. I must say, I wasn't asleep. Uh, I put my head on the pillow. He was there, bang, within a second. And I was fully awake the whole time until I was brought back. So it was amazing. My father had a similar experience when he came over to see me. Um, he was taken out into the universe too, and uh, he saw all these things. And he got up in the morning and looked a bit like shocked. And I said, "What happened? What's up with you?" He looked a bit peaky. He said, "Oh." He said, I just had the most amazing experience of my life. I said, oh, yeah, what happened? He said, oh, I was taken out into the universe, and it was like a, almost like a PowerPoint I was shown by, like, the angels of how the universe and all the different dimensions work. But he said, as they were showing me, he said, I was living it and experiencing it. It wasn't just like you being shown a slide. Mm -hmm. You're actually there, you know, like a virtual reality kind of thing. So he had that. Then I told my friend who's psychic, then he had the experience. So these things are contagious like colds, which is why yeah. I don't mind getting on and, and talking to, to people like you, you good Andrina, Jeffrey, because um, they're like memes. Um, there's a spiritual energy in some of the things I'm saying, because not because I'm saying them, but because they're linked to a certain reality. So mm -hmm. if people are a little bit open to it, I can tell them these things and they'll have the experience for themselves, which yeah. is um, why the, uh, you know, I like to talk about the good news, I suppose. <laughs> so on that note, as we're coming to the near the but end, anyway, that's why the book was called Jason Related to that. Yeah. Yeah. So any good news? <laughs> we'll finish on that note. Any good news you'd like to share? No, it'd be lovely to see you, Andrina, and it'd be lovely to meet you. We're not far, you're not far from each other, so. I was just going to say, it's been, been lovely to talk to you and, and uh, to share.
yeah no well thank you so much for sharing all of this information and and yeah it's been really interesting you know it's it's you know opening your awareness more and more and more and that you know to allow more to happen and come in and interact and and what have you so no it's been brilliant so um thank you very much for being our guest this week and um it's lovely to connect with you thank you very Anything, much jeffrey yeah it was pretty good stay online mate while we um we sign off okay let's spend some time in the green room anyway folks um there you go you've been listening to um michael lamb standen I think he's done a fantastic job to be famous. Mind you, Michael himself is in Western Australia, which is now six o'clock, and he's been watching and making some comments as well. So, um, uh, your apprentice, your little Padawan, Chris, has been watching you. <laughs> oh, Michael, I know we, we started together. He's he's pretty good too, Mike. He's I know that. I'm just, you know, I'm just winding him up. He's <laughs> he needs it. All right. Thank you, just mine.